Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Wherever you've been in the country this year, there's an opportunity to go to an air show. But what you might know is the preparation that happens before the show itself. And we're here on the ground at Ballyball. I've already been told the introduction I have to use is two legends of Irish aviation. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry Humphreys, Eddie Goggins. Eddie, uh, we saw you at Bray recently and you were doing your very best to raise a few funds as well. Uh, That's right. Um, This is the Make-A-Wish Cap 232 and whenever I get a chance to do a display I like to see if we can raise some money for the charity. It's a great charity. For the critically ill children and terminally ill children of Ireland you helped raise money to grant them a wish, bring a smile to their face. What goes into a display? There's an awful lot of preparation in the background. I mean when we're flying a display it might look to the spectator as though the sequence is made up on the fly but it is a well rehearsed routine and it's flown pretty much exactly the same way each time there will be some adjustments for wind and small variations and part of your practice is trying to work on days where there's a strong wind off crowd on crowd from the crowd left crowd right and you also have to practice in different cloud based conditions um, because my full sequence I need about two and a half thousand foot cloud base Mm. And if I don't have that, I have to use an intermediate sequence or a low sequence. So there's a lot of uh, repetition of practice so that it can be repeatable. And this year, I'm working hard at trying to sequence it to music. So the timing of the whole flight has to match the music as much as possible. So I've actually done quite a lot of hours of repetition. The display itself ends up becoming routine because, you know, there should be nothing unexpected. And it's just a repeat of another practice. And, you know, displaying at an air show, I'm guessing, slightly different from displaying where judges are on the ground judging your performance. Yeah, very much. At competition, um, the emphasis is very different. Uh, The the focus on the judging panel is that each manoeuvre is scored out of a 10-point margin and every error knocks off a half a point. And they're looking at symmetry and line lengths and angles and degrees of rotation and every five degrees off you're losing uh, a point so it's all about accuracy so you sacrifice some of the smooth flowing um, artistry if you like of a, of a, a pleasant to watch display and you're looking for a bit more um, precision of each maneuver 
There is a freestyle sequence, which is a little bit more like airshow flying, but again, the criteria are much more confined and you don't have as much uh, leeway in competition as you do in an airshow. Also beside me here on the ground in Ballyboggle, Jerry Humphreys, our audience will know you from many uh, appearances on, on Squawk 7000. The purpose of aerobatics from a, a, a teaching point of view, because it has a value to the pilot or a trainee pilot too. Uh, interesting question, yes. Uh, um, in, in contrast to Eddie's display, mine today is sort of what I would call old man aerobatics. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't stand normal aerobatics because I hate being criticised. Aerobatics, you go along and people tell you how badly you fly because, yeah. as I said, you start it's with 10 and they yeah. knock off marks. A little yeah. bit like dressage, actually. Yeah. It's very yeah. similar to dressage. Yeah. So mine, mine, mine is very much... Uh, as I said, gentle Sunday aerobatics. But you're right, a good question. Where do they start? Aerobatics started, I guess, in... In fact, I'm reading a book at the moment about a guy in the First World War. And, and right at the very beginning, it started off as a way of getting on the tail of the enemy, for example, or getting away from a threat that might be behind you. Mm. And so the early aerobatics would have been, you know, the first person to a loop was quite famous, the loop the loop. And I think they had a dinner and they 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 had the, the starter at the end because everything was inverted or sort mm. of thing. Anyway, so yeah, the aerobatics from a teaching point of view these days, um, teaching people aerobatics is, is a very specialist area because uh, if you're flying my aeroplane for example, legally I can fly aerobatics in that aeroplane I don't need an aerobatics rating but if you're flying a certified aeroplane like this one you actually need to have formal training now it's always a great idea to have formal training naturally and we do that at where I work which is Atlantic Flight Training Academy in Cork so people who want to learn to fly aerobatics they have to do a certain amount of ground school, a certain amount of flying, and then they get a tick in the box. But really, it's a bit like saying, I want to learn how to play golf. And you get yeah. you know, Tiger Woods to show you for a day, and I want to be a scratch golfer. It doesn't work like that. And your question at the very beginning, what goes behind the sequence? There's a lifetime of preparation involved in a, something like Eddie's display, which is sort of world-class, absolutely extraordinarily beautiful, a combination of art and, and science. So I suppose what you're describing is upset recoveries. What you really want a private or a commercial pilot to be able to do well, is if they get themselves into an awkward situation. Interesting question that as well, because actually aerobatics don't come into upset recovery at all. Okay, And a lot of people have a misconception that when, I mean, all of the airline pilots that come to us for upset recovery training are terrified because they think we're going to take them upside down and make them sick and all that mm. stuff. But actually, aerobatics doesn't come into it at all. Mm. What we do is we try and give people who would normally fly straight and level or with very little bank angle, we try and expose them to slightly larger a slightly larger envelope so that if they get something unexpected mm. we hope that they will think oh I've seen and felt this before and it won't be quite you will always get shock mm. if something unexpected happens mm. what we're hoping to do in upset prevention recovery training is to reduce the time when your brain is a cabbage so you can yeah, start thinking and and, yeah. And, yeah. And, and 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 you know reacting and using training and, and referring to memory can I bring yeah. you both in on this? Because what I'd love to be able to do as well is start looking at some of the manoeuvres because some of the manoeuvres involve the aircraft not flying, as in stalling, mm -hmm. and others where it specifically is flying. Let's, let's start with the stall manoeuvres. What, what, what are the things you're, you're, you do? I mean, aircraft are designed to be inherently stable. So uh, when you have forward airflow and you're within the um, margins of the positive and negative critical angle of attack, mm. the... Um, the, air, the aircraft wants to stay flying straight ahead, if you like. Now, once you 
exceed those critical angles of attack, you can get the aircraft to do some slightly unusual things. And exploring this side of the envelope um, is something that takes a long time to reach. And as I was saying, as Jerry was alluding to, there were training. We spend most of our PPL training and commercial training trying to fly as far away from the outer margins as possible. You give yourself the biggest safety margin from the limits as you can. And, and that's a, a great philosophy for safety towards aviation. But to, to give pilots an opportunity to experience what it's like flying nearer the edge and approaching stalls and things like that and, and, and flying nearer the um, greater levels of plus or minus positive or negative Gs, that sort of thing, um, that's where aerobatic flying and experience is, is, can be beneficial. Um, and UPRT, is, as Jerry alluded to, isn't just about trying to fly aerobatics. It is trying to um, identify um, issues that are arising, as you're yes, saying. The, you the, know, the, the, the P part, the prevention part, yeah. is really what we want to try and think. I mean, you, you mentioned stall. For me, aeroplanes, aeroplanes sometimes a wing is a plough always it, it's moving air and I subscribe to the Newtonian theory of aerodynamics I must yeah. say everything every force that we experience in the air whether it's a propeller a jet engine a wing everything we do is because air is being shifted air is heavy we don't realise it but 15 pounds of pressure is on every square inch of our bodies we don't even think about it but when you look at a jumbo jet getting airborne that's a lot of air being shifted so when you shift air you get a reaction the stall is actually not really as, as, as awful as it sounds. The plough works until a certain angle, the air plough, and when it stops working, it isn't actually moving the air lamp in, in, a, in an ordered way, but it's still producing some lift. And so the art of, of if you like, gyroscopics and, and departure-type aerobatics is, is, is harnessing massive asymmetric alpha loss of lift one side, adding a little bit of gyroscopic magic from the engine, adding a certain amount of momentum, which Eddie would be, you know, more... Eddie is, is, is an expert at this. There's another guy I watch, Rob Holland, who's a, a really good guy from the States. You know, there are people doing stuff with airplanes now that look like it shouldn't be possible. I mean, have you tried this Frisbee that Rob's doing at the moment? Yeah, I've tried it, and I need a very aft CAG to do that. So, on that very point... Um, unlike aerodynamic forces, one of the things that you can utilize when you're doing high-performance display work... Sorry about the helicopter. Yeah, we'll, we'll hold off, actually. Let's just let the air core go past for a moment. Rob, Rob, Rob's airplane has such an aft C of G that you end up pushing forward every time you did it. And it starts, you were saying you actually did a loop in it, yeah. and you had to push forward all the way through the loop rather than pull back. Yeah, it's to fly his aircraft. So what he is... His is a uh, permit aircraft, and, and he's modified it in such a way that he's added a lot of mass to the elevator horns, which means as soon as he applies back stick and feels G, the elevator horn, uh, the weight, because it's under G load, causes the stick to go right back into the stomach. So as you're going through a looping maneuver, once you initiate the pull, you have to push all the way around the loop. Very unusual, but it means that he can apply rapid aft stick when he's trying to do certain maneuvers. And also, some of his tumbles... Uh, if you can get the center of lift close to the center of weight uh, and the the uh, couple is much smaller, then you can do more dramatic tumbles. And he does one of the one of the maneuvers called the frisbee, but the cap is a certified machine. I can't get the CAG far enough back <laughs> legally to try that. Not officially. Yes. And I'm not sure that the cap, which, I mean, his machine is a carbon fiber machine and it'll tolerate it. Uh, I'm not sure this will. But on that other point, gyroscopics is a, is a, 
uh, a bit of a black art that people don't understand too well, but it has a lot to do with some of the things that we can do in airshow flying. Uh, the propeller is a big gyroscope. Um, it's spinning at high RPM during the display. It's a, um, the cap propeller is a four-bladed propeller, and, and that mass spinning at high RPM will have the, all the characteristics of a gyroscope, such as rigidity in space, but the big one is precession. So if you ply um, forward stick, you rotate that force 90 degrees and it creates a, a, a yaw to the left, etc. But if you apply left rudder and apply forward stick at the same time, you can get a really dynamic left heading change. It looks like the tumble. Which looks and then, so then you can initiate other, other aspects. Yeah. But um, the gyroscopics only become obvious when you get airspeed below about 80 knots. Above 80 knots, the longitudinal stability of the aircraft will wash it out. So you'll notice a lot of the tumbles occur at the top of maneuvers when you're at a lower speed and you can, you can express those kind of forces. Um, and again, you have to be a bit careful about entry speeds because it does put a lot of strain on crankshafts. A lot of aerobatic engines have solid crankshafts for that reason. And it, but it puts a lot of strain on the engine mounts because effectively now that's the propeller pulling the engine and the engine's pulling the engine mount and pulling the airplane through the But very the sky. little strain on the pilot because of course you're at the centre of this tumbling rotating yeah. mass. Yeah. yeah, you'll hear commentators at Airshow talk about G-force, etc. You're, you're trying to avoid that as much as you can, I'm guessing. It's not that you're trying to avoid it, but certainly high G scrubs off energy. I mean, in the cap, the most efficient G loading is six to seven when you're cornering. If you pull more than that, uh, the drag is very high for the trade-off of the tight turn, the tight corner. Um, and display flying, you're trying to conserve energy because otherwise you're getting lower and lower and you have to then have a break in the sequence to try to regain height uh, and potential energy. So too much G is not a good thing, but also the G forces that we'd experience are very short duration. If you look at the G meter, the needle's going from one and popping up to, you know, six and eight and, and back down again at six. It's, it's in, in military combat flying, they may have sustained G, which is actually much harder to endure. And it's why they need uh, G suits. We don't, we don't wear G suits. Yeah. How do you, um, how do you sustain situational awareness? Because you're, you're not flying straight and level for any length of time at all. I think it's just repetition. I mean, the I think the human mind can adapt to anything. And if you look at, you know, Olympic ice skaters and they tumble and twirl or high divers and they do, you know, six rotations in one second and then they manage to get their body straight to hit the water. So you can train with repetition anything. And another, it, that's what it is. It's another important blocks, yeah. thing, aspect of that, though, is is study beforehand. So we will have had look, we will have studied the map and the layout and we will have the line the center line of the display fixed in our and mind and people might know yes. about this so we'll expand on yeah. it there's a display well, you line may have seen, yeah. you may have yeah. also seen yeah. Eddie and I when we in our previous we used to do this pair's display where we walked through the display and it's called the display dance and it looks ridiculous and you get these videos of people and we, we, we actually go through the whole display with our hands in our head almost beforehand and that's another way to keep situation awareness during yeah, a display visualization is very important in that um, every repetition in any discipline, in any sport, flying or not, um, visualization will count as a repetition. And trying to learn anything and make it second nature so that you can do it without conscious thought is going to be all about repetition. And it's too much avgas to fly every sequence. So I'd say 95% of the sequences that have been ingrained in my brain were done by 
and, uh, by mental visualization rather than actually the, the, flying. The, there is another aspect to display flying which mightn't be uh, as important to competition flying and that's getting to and from the display yeah. and GPS has revolutionized our lives with a moving map we can now put an accurate waypoint in the airfield the route the GPS and that means you've got great situational awareness as well if you're able to you know utilize whatever GPS system one uses with whatever software I for example the center of my panel has an iPhone an old iPhone in it and I just use the latest Skydemon software on there and that to me is the most important situational awareness aid that I have and, and that's certainly revolutionized display flying because actually some of the most tense moments in display flying are getting there and getting back sure you're on the right spot oh, as you all do of the old yeah. hands in display flying and the people who've taught me over the years have all said that the hardest most risky part of display flying was getting to and from because you know there's a pressure that the show must go on that sort of thing Uh, so your smoke has just arrived yes uh so the smoke (laughs) is a very important ingredient um it adds a lot to the spectacle um obviously we don't usually practice using smoke probably use about 70 euros to 100 euros worth of smoke just in the Seven and display. I know yeah. half the audience listening to us will know how it's generated, but for the other half, what's the story? Uh, the smoke oil is, is very similar to baby oil, and it's... Uh, That's a, why your skin is so soft. That's yeah. it, yeah. <laughs> it smells lovely, but the, the, there's a separate smoke tank, and it just... In, say in, about those parties <laughs> that you have, Eddie. <laughs> and it injects this smoke oil directly into the exhaust pipe, where the heat vaporizes it, yeah. and then it comes out as white smoke. Um, and the temperature that, you, that the... the uh, that is appropriate is crucial to the amount of smoke you get if the temperature is not high enough a lot of it's unburnt and the back of your aircraft becomes very oily if the temperature is too high that's not good either and you lose horsepower so where in the exhaust stack you you set up your smoke system is an important part of it smoke as well for you jay Yes, I have a smoke system. Um, I, I took up smoking <laughs> for, for Christmas about uh, seven years ago. But my smoke system is actually called a VCAS system. Um, my air, big airplanes have a thing called TCAS, Traffic Collision mm-hmm. Avoidance System. Yeah. Mine is our, my visual collision yes. avoidance system. They can it's see definitely you. not for showing off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and to be fair, the people on the ground can see it as well. Course, I, yeah. We've got some more aircraft al- arriving in. I think, what, three chipmunks and a steerman. And we've st- a heli starting over beyond. So things are sort of yes. starting to move along. Of course, pilots are standing out looking for ceiling. Um, What is the story for display pilots when it comes to cloud? You have different ways of of, of putting your act together. Yeah, I mean, I have a a flat display and um, I would need at least 1,200 foot cloud base. Now, I believe for Rush, um, we're going to be limited to a 1,500 foot cloud base minimum. So I can do my intermediate display with that. Um, The flat display is all rolling. Um, there's very little gaining of height and, and losing height. The full display, I mean, this the cap can gain um, three and a half thousand feet in a vertical if you're at VNE. So you can use quite a large or tall box. Um, and the, the the base of the box, aerobatic maneuvers must be uh, completed and recovered by 500 feet. You can you can descend as low as 300 feet in the sequence to gain energy for your next maneuver. Uh, but that gives you an idea how how tall the box could be if you had um, lots of speed and no cloud restrictions. So when we have a lower cloud base, there's lots of things that I can't do that I'd like to do. Uh, but we've, 
you know, we we put a lot of time in the season yeah. to, to set up We're, sequences and low sequences. It's not ideal doing aerobatics in cloud, obviously, because no. it's all visual <laughs> flying. We, the aeroplanes are allowed to fly in cloud if they're certified and they have uh, instruments. These aerobatic aeroplanes wouldn't yeah. be certified for that sort of thing. Plus, it wouldn't be very safe to do so. So we've got to stay out of cloud. And one of the one of the criteria, of course, as well is is if you do a loop, you've got to have a gate at the top of the loop, what we call a gate, which is when when you're at the sort of normal speed, whatever your normal speed at the top of that loop is, then you need minimum of, and from my point of view, I need a minimum of about 900 foot to make sure that I can, or 900 foot above my base height. So for me, I'd like 1,400 feet cloud base here to have a safe, comfortable, looping full display. And it is like anything else that thrills an audience. It's actually based on precision and safety. It's all smoke and mirrors. The, the whole idea of display flying, unlike, unlike competition flying, is to make things look spectacular and to make things look wow, but to make them the most safe as you can. What we're actually doing is probably 40 to 50% of the capability of mm. what we could, or, or what, yeah. certainly in Eddie's case, mm. and in my previous life, you know, guys who do displays, we did displays in the Harrier. You know, the whole idea was you kept well away from the cliff edges that are always there. Mm. And so you have enough capacity so that if something unexpected happens, then you have room to maneuver. It's a question for both of you, but it kind of gives you a, a bit of admiration for those World War One pilots who, who many of the um, maneuvers are named after. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Some, can you name a few for us and, and, and tell us what they are? Yeah. Well, the, the one that comes to mind straight away is the Immelmann, which was uh, a famous uh, a second World War, a first World War German ace, and his supposedly his maneuver would have been what we call a roll off the top mm-hmm. where you do a half loop and then you roll out and you go the other way so it was a quick way of reversing direction in our case it would be a roll off the top but i guess there are others uh, what else the derry turn isn't that another well, the one derry turn is a no. second world war mm. guy who was a, a, a test pilot mm. and oh, derry, yeah. john derry and but i think I, the canadian break is another variation of that i think yeah. where you do a three quarters roll and you, you know you start to it's almost like a feint. I'm going to go right. You start rolling right, and you do a three-quarters roll. You actually go left. And that, I suppose you could say, would be to fool the guy behind. But Finally, today we're both hopefully going to see solo displays. Uh, you've yeah. both worked in formation displays as well. Extra workload? Oh, yeah. not. It's a very different um, form of display flying. It's, and um, when I was flying on Jerry's wing... You know, I, I would never take my eyes off of his airplane. Almost, you'd almost get a, 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 a creak in your neck because you, you spent the whole flight looking in one direction. Yeah. Um, Total trust, I guess, in the leader. Yeah, and you're just trying to, you spend the whole flight trying to line up one aileron hinge with a cowling rivet or something like that. And um, you, you w- would have less capacity to be aware of your positioning or any of that that's up to the lead and um you have total trust in where he's going to bring you and if he flies into the hill i should fly right into him with it because i'm focused that's the theory of it but (laughs) yeah yeah. um uh, when you're flying close formation like that so it's it's it i was i enjoyed doing having the experience and and you know it's it's rare to find someone who's experienced in formation flying so having jerry he taught me um, all my formation flying skills and we had a great time t- with two RV7s 
um, for several seasons doing it. Yeah. Um, there's a huge amount of practice involved yeah. and uh, there is a massive amount of preparation involved there. Because, and for example, we've got the Ravens coming later on and there are six of those guys. I really take my hat off to those guys because you know, those are all a bunch of enthusiasts who get together in the off-season. They practice, they discuss, they brainstorm and they come up with a really professional display. Wow. And of course... You know, part of the, they're they're all over Europe. They're they're probably going to be working hard getting here today than they are during the actual yeah, sure, show, sure, I suspect. Yeah, yeah. But uh, hats off to those guys. And you know, the leader of a formation is, you know, it looks like oh, the guy in front's easy because he doesn't have to do any f- formation. But actually, he is responsible for everyone positioning being smooth, mm. making sure yeah. that decisions are made about we're going to go full, we're going to go flat. I did a li- I was very lucky. I had a little go with the Red Arrows in a previous life and I, I got selected, but then s- the plans changed and I didn't. I had to go yeah. back and fly the Harrier. But I did three flights in the back with them on actual displays and that really was an eye-opener. I suddenly realised, wow, these guys are spending, as Eddie said, they spent three years just looking at the next aeroplane. They never look out the front. Look at sideways. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know. And I mean, it's it's in in solo flying. If you're getting blown off crowd center and you're at a sequence, I can cut the corner tight mm. and I can I can maneuver more aggressively. But when you're a lead and you've got one person or multiple aircraft on your wing, you have to do everything gradually and you have to let them know what you're going to do and there can be no surprises. So it takes an awful lot of forward planning for the leader to be in the right place at the right time, at the right altitude, at the right speed, which is why the leader is generally the most experienced of the display flying group. Even though it looks like his job is the easiest, it is actually the most important because if he's having a bad day, and making mistakes on entry speeds or positioning, the whole display looks a mess. Doesn't matter how skillful all the wingmen are, if the lead sets it up wrong, it's all gonna go to pot. And we were, I mean, I was lucky because we flew in a two ship formation and in a two ship formation, you're always in formation. Doesn't matter whether I lead or lag or get out to the right or left, we still look close and it's fine. Whereas when you get multiple aircraft, you lose the symmetry and you can see it. So, you know, with the, the chipmunks in the historic flight, they have a tough job because they're low powered and they don't have an extra a lot of margin to make up for a position um, mm. lead or lag or something like that. And, and when you look at the rising, yeah. yeah so and what's surprising, of course, is when you turn, the guy on the outside of the turn has to go a lot quicker than the guy on the inside of the turn. And so it might think, oh, all you've got to do is set the throttle. No, and then everybody says, no, 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 it doesn't work like that. So can you imagine driving your car beside another car and all of a sudden you know you go around a big turn so you've got to accelerate as you go around the outside of the yeah. turn you've got to decelerate on the inside of the yeah. turn and it's just in three dimensions so there's a lot of jockeying going on shall we say the controls are wanging around and yeah. the throttle is doing this a yeah, lot and again the lead has to be conscious particularly say a, a larger formation like the ravens have where the aircraft on the very inside of the turn might be two or three aircraft away from the lead. And when he turns in towards that wingman, that wingman has to throttle back quite a lot and slow down quite a lot. And he's mm. going to be and you know, flying near the edge mm. of his stalling another, speeds. Yeah. Another point which is almost non-intuitive is it's actually easier to fly formation very close to the other guy than far away yeah, because if yeah. if it's this is sounding a bit like father ted now no. near far away but but the closer you are yeah. the less that effect 
is. Yeah. And so if you're two or three wingspans out and the guy turns towards you, A, if you want to stay in plane, you've got to translate downwards. Yeah. And as you turn, you've got to slow down a massive yeah. amount. Whereas if you're a welded wing, almost overlapping wing, there's very little. You're and almost you, and an you extension also go through of the, the same bits of turbulence together. Mm. So if the lead bumps, you bump with them, which are close together. You get your own if and, you're and apart, so. Okay, quick, quick couple of questions to, to bring it to an end. Your favorite maneuver? I probably the Ruad, the, the which is a forward gyroscopic tumble, sort of nose over tail thing, and it's because this the the Make a Wish cap does it so well. It's a it's a specialty that the French team had first shown off, and it, this particular aircraft does it well. And the, air, the, the pilot's sitting on the wing near the center of lift, so it's very comfortable, uh, surprisingly. It looks like a pretty horrific maneuver from the ground, but it's, it's great fun to fly. You've got to get this uphill and get the speed right, and then apply rudder and forward stick at the right time. And then if you get the aileron input balanced right, you can get three tumbles out of it. That's my goal. Sometimes I only get <laughs> one, but I, I, I like to try if I can get the three tumbles out of it. We'll see Don't if I do worry. it today, yeah. Nobody else notices. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody else thinks, wow. And Jerry, your favorite? <laughs> I guess my favorite is the avalanche, which is a sort of a, a, a poor man's heart. And we used to do a heart where we go up, we'd pull mm. together, and then we'd turn out and we'd come back down again yeah. and hope to make a heart. But what I do is a modified loop, so you go up into a loop and as you hit about 75 80 knots you do a twist a twirl i, I do a flick roll mm. at the top of a loop which sort of makes a little kink in the smoke trail and then try and get back down and if you get it just right it looks like a heart, heart yeah. final question then i always ask pilots hummer or talker when you're flying do you hum or do you talk to yourself um i talk to the airplane but i hum actually while i'm flying but it, if things are not going the way I want, I start giving out to the aircraft, which is not fair. I'm a road talker. Actually, I must admit, I was surprised. I did a video yesterday. Of my, I have an iPhone in the middle of the, of the panel. And I took, I, did, I took a video, not because I wanted to look at myself, but because I wanted to time the display. Yeah. But I was horrified. And I'm neither a hummer or a talker. I'm a grimacer. I make the most <laughs> awful faces. Eddie and Jerry, thank you so much indeed for talking to us in Squawk 7000 and have a great day on the thank flight. You, thank you, Michael. so okay. much. Nice to talk to you too. To get the news first, subscribe now to Squawk 7000 on your favourite podcast platform. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.